0: Welcome to episode 91 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do. To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Dee, Dee Adams,
1: Stacey Edmonds, Theresa Mize, Tina Manahai Collard,
0: Raquel Dovakin.
1: Safety Craig,
0: Sam Ashmore,
1: Yente VDA,
0: Sarah Kennedy,
1: Lois Duff,
0: Summer Becks,
1: Kristen Gunn,
0: Siobhan Lavin.
1: Blake Fox.
0: Denise Gallen,
1: Brandy Sutton.
0: Lynette Lord.
1: Liana Mars.
0: Tiffany Mazaris.
1: Lauren Alexander. Rachel. Chrissy Hent- Hintz. hints. Oh my god. <laughs> Chrissy Hints.
0: Thank you so much for being our Patreon subscribers. We appreciate it so damn much.
1: Yes, we do. Yes.
0: We would like to wish a massive happy twelfth birthday to Natalie. From her mum, Laura. But more importantly, Happy birthday! From me and Dan and Tiny Beams. Yeah, happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday. I find it really mad that 12 year olds listen to us and, 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 and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's good. So
0: cool. And we also have a promo this week. Now, you know I love a good promo. And our promo this week is for Hardly Paranormal. Two sceptical dorks, again, their description, not mine. (laughs) Two sceptical dorks examine cases of the strange and unusual and try to find out what's really going on. Lacey and Jerry are gorgeous. If you love ghost stories, but appreciate the more sceptical approach to ghost stories, I would highly recommend that you listen to this podcast. Also, if you enjoy dad jokes, if you love a good cheesy pun, this one is for you. And I have to say it is very well researched they do a lot of work in terms of trying to be respectful about the topics that they cover and trying to get as well-rounded an approach as possible so i'm going to play you their promo and if you like it go ahead and listen to them
1: hey how does
0: bigfoot tell time i don't know how he checks his sasquatch (laughs) i'm jerry And I'm Lacey, and we're the hosts of the Hardly Paranormal Podcast, where every week we examine cases of the strange and unusual and try to find out what's really going on. Is the Black Monk of Pontefract just a trick of the eye? Could the Loveland Frogman just be a deformed iguana? What about Will-o'-the-Wisps? Poltergeists? Leprechauns? Gateways to hell?
1: We examine them all and more, and
0: discuss if they're real or if they're hardly paranormal. Catch us every week wherever podcasts are available. And remember... It's probably just the wind. What do ghosts wear to formal (laughs) events? Boo ties! (laughs) So that was Hardly Paranormal. On a completely side note, Lacey has an amazing Simpsons tattoo. (laughs) She has a Malibu Barbie in like a kind of neo-traditional style that Uh says... Don't talk to me. I'm just a girl. And I am obsessed. I desperately, desperately wanted. (laughs) So our film review this week. Our film review is Unfriended. Unfriended was released in 2014. It has 5.5 out of 10 on IMDb and 61% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you like a synopsis? I'd love one. Six friends get a shock of their lives when they receive a message from one of their deceased friends while video chatting. While they think it is a prank, they are soon exposed to some unruly events. I'm going to start off on this one. I don't know if shoving your face into a blender can be classed as an unruly event. I mean, it is.
1: It's not the normal rule. <laughs> it's not ruly. So it's therefore unruly.
0: <laughs> so what were your thoughts on this film?
1: Um, I thought it was a clever concept. I like the fact that we it was entirely done on the computer screen. So we were just looking at a girl's computer screen for the whole film, which when we say it out loud sounds really dumb and boring but it actually worked quite well
0: I thought somebody commented about this film does a lot with a little Mm. and actually I really liked that description of it is it Oscar worthy absolutely not but it's entertaining and it's completely different because like you said you're watching the entirety of the film through a girl's computer screen and all of the horror takes place via the medium of technology
1: yeah it's great one of the things I hate
0: like it's, I thought it was. I thought it was clever.
1: Genuinely, no, it was really good. I thought actually, it surprised me because I have to admit, when we were going into it, I was like, "Why are we watching this?" Like, I thought it was just like a intruder in the house kind of.
0: Me too, me too. But there job. was more supernatural to it than I yeah, had it was. anticipated.
1: It was. Oh yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was clever. I thought there were some good sort of moments of unease, terror. I don't remember there being any jump scares necessarily.
0: Not necessarily. I mean the the gore is quite jumpy even though for because I you, you guys know I hate gore not interested don't need it in my life but the gore in this film is minimal so you only see brief snippets of what's happening hence the face in a blender comment so it's manageable um, but it is quite jumpy when it's gory
1: I really liked the way they used the glitching of the video to make to distort the faces in a, a way that made them quite, look kind of horrific yeah because it was obviously intentional. Because when it started, you were still making a drink when the universal thing kicked in, and it was glitching. And I was like, "Oh man, I can't. Why is this glitching? Like, there's nothing wrong with the internet." And then, literally, when it started, I was like, "Huh, <laughs> that's why it was glitching." That's clever.
0: <laughs> there, there were some glaring problems with the film, though, in that it was clearly written by adults trying to write as teenagers, yes. and that never works.
1: And it was also clearly played as adults trying to play teenagers.
0: I don't know any teenagers who use the word floozy even in 2014 yeah don't know any teenagers who were using the word
1: 1914
0: maybe yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna bully somebody for having sex with loads of people floozy is not the word I would imagine that today's
1: teenagers would use no and they had the rating as well To use the stronger language. It was like they were doing it for like... It was like a Disney horror. It clearly wasn't a Disney horror. (laughs) Very
0: strangely written. And there was a lot of like... Behaviour that... Is like stereotypical teenage behaviour. But actually... Probably wouldn't play out that way in real life. No. Yeah. You know. But the thing that I enjoyed about it is that... Actually the premise of it. Like the the online bullying. And Mm. how detrimental that can be. Like that is real life. That is... And that is what... The world that teenagers live in. Unfortunately... And it reminded me of... There was a film that came out in 2015 called Cyberbully. Mm. It was a straight-to-TV British film.
1: With Maisie Williams.
0: With Maisie Williams in yeah. it from Game of Thrones.
1: I've not seen it, but I saw an advert for it. Before.
0: It's really good. Is it? So I would recommend... If you enjoyed the... Pre- it's not supernatural, but it the premise is similar, if not the exact same. Mm. So much so that I looked up which film came out first, because okay. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is interesting. But I would recommend watching Cyberbullet. I think you can get it on Amazon Prime. um mm, yeah,
1: I've seen it on one of the two
0: so yeah what were what would you give this film out of five? I think I'd probably give it a three and a half. Do you know what? I'm going to give it the same because I appreciate what it tried to do.
1: I think that's like the tenth week on the trot we've got given the same score to the film. Are we just becoming the same person?
0: Yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> we're melting into one <laughs> through lockdown, but do you know what they they tried to do something clever with a new idea and i mm. appreciated that.
1: And i think it's worth stating that when you describe it as all done through the point of view of a laptop screen you are like that sounds really dumb how are they going to do that but actually it was quite engaging. Uh the way they use sort of text text messaging not text messaging like instant messaging and video calls and stuff like that
0: and like spotify and facebook yeah. and how all that stuff is like it's it, yeah i thought it was pretty clever.
1: And the antagonist had a real good sense of humor because it kept starting like apt tunes yeah (laughs) moments of horror and despair (laughs) which i appreciate
0: so that is three and a half for unfriended i would actually recommend that you check it out just for novelty value even
1: and apparently according to the comments of your instagram story this the sequel is even better
0: i'm actually quite excited to see the Mm. sequel so keep an ear out for a review of that one so our story this week i'm not going to give you an introduction
1: Mm, no that's ominous
0: I'm just going to go straight into it
1: Mm, Okay Are you ready? Nope
0: There are some stories that stick with us Stories that we hear in childhood That we carry with us for the rest of our days Sometimes it will only be a fraction of the story A little detail that touches a part of your soul Or sometimes you remember a story Because of events in your own life That it happens to correspond with This story has stuck with me from childhood because of small, bizarre details that my little brain couldn't understand. I've spent years trying to find this story and serendipitously, I found it. After a random conversation with a family member, I realised that I was not the only one who had been deeply impacted by this story as a child. And I also found out that I'd been looking in the wrong place. Through my research, I discovered that the family involved in this haunting had written a book that was only published locally in their small area of Ireland. But somehow, I found a copy of the book being sold by an obscure bookseller on eBay. This is the story of the reawakening. Jackie and Esther Fahey had a son and a daughter Michael and Martha They lived in a housing estate in Corrib in County Galway Ireland Michael was engaged to be married to a girl called Mary and they were living in their parents' home while they saved for their wedding It started with a smell in the house The family were plagued by the stench of rotting flesh and urine and they searched the house from top to bottom looking for a source but to no avail. They eventually concluded that the smell must be gas or a chemical leak, so they contacted the local authority and had the house inspected. There was no discernible source for the smell and the family and the professionals were baffled. At the time they did not suspect anything supernatural, But looking back, it is now clear that this was where their trouble started. After about a month, the stench disappeared and the family forgot all about it. Michael and Mary were due to go on a weekend away and had been busy painting their bedroom before they left. The night before, they were awoken by a light that shone through the blinds on their window and illuminated the entire room. They were confused and couldn't understand where the light had come from. They found no source and it was too bright to be car headlights. In the end, finding no obvious answer, they just retired to bed and headed off on their journey the next morning. While her son was away, Esther decided that it was the perfect time to give his room a deep clean. You know, a proper mother's clean. She bustled up with the Hoover and was immeasurably annoyed as they had left paint peelings all over the floor she moved about cursing their laziness sucking up the crunchy peelings when she realised that what she was hoovering up was not in fact paint peelings the floor was covered in eggshells like someone had peeled tens of eggs and scattered the shells all over the floor She had no clue what was happening, or indeed how it happened, so she just cleaned it. Michael and Mary returned home from their jaunt and retired to their room to put their bags away. But not long afterwards, Michael burst into the kitchen to speak to Esther. Ma'am, who's been in my room? There's eggshells everywhere. And thus began a strange battle with eggshells. That would appear in increasing numbers all over the house. The abundance of eggshells coincided with noises that would keep the household awake each night. Between 1 and 3 am, the family would be awoken by footsteps running through the house. Initially, they believed that it was floorboards. Or maybe they were just trying to convince themselves. That what they were hearing was natural nighttime noises, rather than something more sinister. That was until whatever was in the house began to take an interest in Sarah Louise. Martha had had a baby girl, called Sarah Louise, and she lived in the house alongside the family. She was their pride and joy and was loved and adored by the whole household. The noises would often begin or end in Sarah Louise's bedroom and strange bangs and knocks would come from her room in the middle of the night. But there was never anything untoward or worrying to be found. One night, Mary and Michael returned from the cinema to find Martha hysterically screaming in the street, being comforted by a neighbour. They flew out of the car and grabbed her, terrified of what was happening and trying to get sense from her, but she was deathly pale and gripped with terror, screaming about Sarah Louise. The neighbouring girl told them that Martha had burst into their house begging for someone to help her, that someone had her baby. Mary, without thinking, ran full pelt into the house and into Sarah Louise's bedroom. The room was noticeably ice cold, but Sarah Louise was sleeping peacefully. Mary quickly and gently picked up the sleeping baby and made her way through the house. As she passed the bathroom, the toilet flushed and the door slammed. The house was empty and she fled. Earlier that evening, Martha had put Sarah Louise to bed and retired to the sitting room to watch TV. It wasn't long before a thump from the baby's room reverberated through the house. Martha jumped up thinking that Sarah Louise had somehow fallen from her cot and ran upstairs to help her. The thumping became louder and more frantic, as though someone was wrecking the bedroom, and when Martha got to the door, she could not open it, as though someone was forcibly keeping her from her child. Sarah Louise was screaming by this point, and so was Martha, from sheer desperation. She fled to her neighbours, and that was when Mary and Michael arrived home. The family were now in turmoil and reconvened nervously in the kitchen. At a loss as to what to do, and in some ways hoping that the answer was a home intruder, Michael decided to phone the police. He sat down next to the telephone and lifted the receiver, and the temperature in the kitchen dropped to an icy coldness. With his breath billowing out in front of him, Michael became acutely aware of a tapping sound beside him as though someone was sitting at the kitchen table and was becoming increasingly impatient with his foolishness. The phone was disconnected. They couldn't call anybody and a crash came from the fireplace. They investigated and found a picture of baby Sarah Louise upside down and smashed in pieces. As they stood in shock and terror, trying to make sense of what was happening to them, A silver picture frame floated from the fireplace and was hurled against the wall and smashed into pieces. They grabbed what they could and ran from the house. Michael, looking over his shoulder, watched as the coffee table flipped over and crashed into the ground. That night, they drove 140 miles to Waterford to haul up for the night. The next morning, Jackie rang his neighbour to see if things had calmed down in the night. They hadn't. In fact, what had happened in the hours after the family left had caused such a stir in the street that people came out of their houses to watch the strange events unfold. Their night had been disrupted by lights flashing on and off, furniture audibly crashing around the house, and most disturbingly, the piercing, shrieking cry of a baby except the house was completely empty. The family were in Waterford and many of the neighbours had watched them flee earlier in the night. The family of course had no option but to return to the house. They had jobs and couldn't just pack up and leave their world behind. They agreed to return but all slept in the same room, fully clothed and with bags packed, ready to flee if they needed to. All was quiet at first. And then Michael received a call from RTE. Radio Telefiche Aaron is Ireland's national radio and television service. And Michael regaled the whole story on national radio. If nothing else, the family hoped that someone would hear the story and be able to help. The nation was gripped and the radio station was inundated with calls from people extending their sympathies and telling their own horrific stories. That night Sarah Louise slept peacefully in her cot until 245 AM, when the house was filled with the sound of her frantic wails. The family went to her room to find that Sarah Louise was sitting up in her bed, with her stuffed animals arranged in a perfect circle all around her cot. The family were frantic, but felt that their prayers had been answered when the Bishop of Galway, Dr O'Loughlin, agreed to visit the house and conduct a Mass to try and help them. The Mass was scheduled on the 6th of May 1997 and was strictly family only. Neighbours gathered to say a rosary before the Mass commenced and the Bishop walked through the house blessing each room. The family gathered in the sitting room to commence the Mass and as the Bishop prayed, A soft wail began from Sarah Louise's room that grew into the unmistakable cry of a baby. Sarah Louise was in her mother's arms in the sitting room and there was no one else in the house. The bishop grew paler and paler and began to stammer through his prayers. The crying continued the whole way through the mass and the family were stuck, frozen in terror. As the Mass ended, Jackie turned to the Bishop and said, "'What are we going to do? What is this?' The Bishop inhaled deeply, refused eye contact, and said, "'I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't hear anything. "'There is no human explanation for this,' and left. The family received no comfort or peace from the Mass.' The terror continued and the family were witness to objects being hurled through the air and the incessant wailing of the phantom baby continued. They called the radio station again and were again inundated with calls of sympathy but no solutions. At their wits end the family were taken in by assorted neighbours and Jackie and Esther visited the local authority for help. They just simply couldn't live in the house anymore. The local authority refused to help and a mass from the bishop had had no effect. One afternoon a journalist from the Evening Herald called and requested to stay overnight in the house. The family obliged. Aideen Sheehan was a sceptic and was sure to let the family know that she didn't really believe that there was anything in their house. Again for the family it was a way for them to try and get their story out there and maybe find someone that was able to help them. Aideen arrived with her photographer and was somewhat bemused by the family's practice of all sleeping in the same room, but agreed to participate for the purpose of authenticity. At 11pm, footsteps were heard in Sarah Louise's room, followed by thumps and crashes. The family and reporters entered to the familiar sight of a room ransacked. Later in the night... The family had moved to the kitchen so that the reporter could write her notes. A crash came from the sitting room and the reporter was the first to enter and visibly recoiled in shock as she looked around at the room completely destroyed. A large porcelain dog had been smashed to pieces. The TV was moved to the other side of the room and in the middle of the floor was a smashed picture of Jesus and the Virgin Mary Aideen Sheehan went on to write an article about her Night of Terror in Ireland's most haunted house. But Sarah Louise's toys would continue to be stacked and moved in odd and deliberate ways. In one instance, Michael awoke in the morning to use the toilet and found all of Sarah Louise's bottles stacked on top of one another in the bath. They recognised that Sarah Louise was the centre of all the problems and they pinned a holy medal to her chest on the inside of her jumper but later noticed a perfect burn mark in the shape of the medal and knew that they would have to leave the house for good for her safety but someone was watching this story unfold and it was someone unexpected and that someone would go on to be the only person who was able to help this family they were returning home After yet another fruitless trip to see another holy person who again claimed to be able to help, they were exhausted and pulled into their drive to see a woman waiting for them. Sandra Ramdani introduced herself as a psychic medium and said that she could and would help the family if they would let her. They readily agreed, because at this stage they would have taken the help of anyone. She wasn't what the family had imagined the psychic medium to look like. She was stylish, with short, bleach-blonde hair and leather trousers. She filled the house with warmth and confidence and assured them that baby Sarah Louise was in no danger. She conducted a ceremony with them, after which the family reported that the atmosphere and temperature in the house literally became warmer and they felt the presence disappear. They were elated. Sandra then sat them down and told them a story. Many years before the building of the house, a farmhouse had stood on that spot. Sandra had had a vision of a woman of the cloth, and nun, becoming pregnant and the father of the baby was a bishop. The baby had been murdered and buried beneath the floorboards of the house by the bishop and the girl's father to avoid a scandal. Sandra asked whether there had been any renovations in the house. There hadn't, but the house next door had had large-scale renovation work around the time that Sarah Louise was born. Sandra believed that the renovation work and the new baby in the household had been the perfect storm for creating the haunting. She believed that the haunting began with eggshells because they're a symbol for rebirth and new life. And that the baby had played with Sarah Louise and also become jealous of the attention she received. While Sandra told them the story, there was a knock on the door. On the doorstep was a sheepish young man. He looked up and said, Look, I know you don't know me, but I've seen your story and I need to tell you something. I need to tell you that my family owned this land before your house was built. There used to be a farmhouse here, and the family in it had a daughter who was a nun. And look, I don't know what happened in that house, but there were rumours. And I do know that it was haunted, and weird stuff happened all the time. I suppose we thought when the house was knocked down it would all stop, but it didn't. I'm sorry, I should have come to see you sooner.
1: Okay, so this is a ghost baby.
0: A ghost baby.
1: That can move a TV.
0: And flip coffee tables.
1: A ghost Hulk baby.
0: A really strong ghost baby.
1: (laughs) See, I thought they were going to go down the line that was haunted by the nun. Like, that would make more sense to me.
0: Or, like, something really demonic. Something really evil. But apparently when this Sandra woman arrived, she was like... It's not evil.
1: No. It's just
0: a baby. Yeah. We just need to help it pass over. That's what it's they did. It's just a Hulk baby. It's just a really strong baby. <laughs> Freakishly strong, some might say.
1: <laughs> okay. I mean, it wasn't where I thought you were going to go. I thought you were going to do what you normally go do and go, ah, yes, but actually it was Martha. So all of this stuff happened when Martha was in the room.
0: <laughs> it was all Martha. So- <laughs>
1: it's always the girl. Always.
0: So I I can remember this story from when I was a kid. And I don't know where I read it. I must have heard it on the radio or like seen it in a newspaper. And the thing I remember most about it is the eggshells. Yeah,
1: that's strange.
0: blew my mind when I was a kid. I was like, but where did they come from? Why does the ghost love eggs? Who fucking knows? Uh, And it stuck at me for ages. And my sister-in-law messaged me a couple of weeks ago because she was going through some archives of our local area and she had found this project that all these kids had done about like local hauntings. Really cute from like you know, decades ago. And then she said, do you remember that story about that family in Galway? And I was like, fuck, it's not just me. Because I just couldn't find any evidence of it. Because I was putting in the wrong county. In my head, the family were from a county called Kerry. So I was typing in haunted house Kerry, haunted family Kerry. And I couldn't, couldn't find anything. But they were actually from Galway. And the minute I typed it in, I found it straight away. And there was loads of like RTE archived um, material about it and then I realized oh they've written a book there's no fucking way I'm going to find this book no way it was published in their local area in Galway definitely not going to find it found it on my first go on eBay that ordered it it arrived I mean the book is chaotic I'm not going to lie
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: there was a lot of stuff I had to filter out I have to say but it just felt very serendipitous I was like oh wow this yeah, story like you is real do an
1: episode on that don't you if it works out yeah. like that, I think It's a good story, actually, because it's really quite creepy. I mean, the psychic's wrong because the haunting didn't start with the eggshells. It started with the smelly smell.
0: She said, I actually pretend she got that wrong because she did say that, she said the smell was reminiscent of the decomposition of the body.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, looking like every generation after that baby was killed, the body just re-emitted some smells in the hope that they would find it. Or in the hope that somebody
0: would recognise what was happening. And then because they didn't
1: Well, I think I think there's more chance someone will go, hmm, that smells like rotten flesh. Let's see if we can find a body. Then there is someone going, Rotten Flesh must be a baby ghost that's freakishly strong. (laughs)
0: Must have been (laughs) what's that smell?
1: It's a nun baby.
0: (laughs) Its mother was a nun (laughs) and a bishop. No, probably, probably. I see your point.
1: I take your point. I take it on
0: board. I accept it.
1: And then the haunting happens when they don't catch the drift of the rotten, smacked flesh. And so the baby gets up to doing some mischief. Doing some tricks. I still don't, I'm still not entirely convinced it was just the baby.
0: The family believed that the little in, Sarah Louise, played with the baby from the time that she was born. How yeah. weird is that?
1: I mean, that's weird. But we've got loads of examples of kids seeing ghosts, haven't we?
0: Yeah, kids are freaky.
1: I just don't understand how the baby would be trashing places and like, how would the baby know to tap on the table impatiently? How would the baby be able to disconnect the phone? This is a baby that that potentially saw maybe a couple, really sadly, potentially saw a couple days worth of life. If that- uh,
0: okay, so a really freakishly strong, freakishly intelligent baby?
1: Yeah, that's like two days old.
0: Yeah, that's that's what we're going for.
1: Okay. I mean...
0: Um, I mean, we don't understand how... The afterlife works, do we? I'm
1: pretty sure your niece is capable of disconnecting phones and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, probably. <laughs> definitely. I mean, there was a lot of... Not controversy, that's not the right word. But a lot of people dismissed the story. Similar to the Rochdale poltergeist and similar to the Enfield haunting. They dismissed the story as the family trying to kind of wrangle a new house out of the council. Now, I i have to say, that sounds like classist
1: nonsense to me. yeah, Because... Is there like, a, is the council house and system similar to what it is over here? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, it would be. And I just feel like there's easier ways to scam the council, first of all. And second of all, like rich people in big old manor houses have ghosts too. Yeah. Okay. It's not exclusive to people who are maybe working class and living in a council house. Okay.
1: There is one thing I'm skeptical about. Yeah, go for story. it. And it's, it doesn't take any shine off the story and it doesn't disprove the story i think any journalist that's half decent that their job and understands how journalism works is going to go into a haunted house as a skeptic and then be convinced because if they write a story where they go into and they sit in a house for all night and nothing happens that story's not going anywhere near, near the front page it's going to be about 200 words
0: and especially when at the time this story was all over the radio all over the news like it was on the news hmm. it was on the news Haunted house story on the news.
1: That's Well, maybe that gives it a bit more weight then. Maybe she's going in like, well, I'm just going to disprove it. And then my story will be on the front cover when I prove that actually they've got a tape recorder set up with a baby crying in the bedroom or something like that. Do you know what I mean?
0: I think it's more likely that she was riding the wave (laughs) that 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 story was generating at
1: the time. Yeah. The Bishop character intrigues me when he's just like, right, like he's bold enough to go, right, okay, this clearly needs some kind of mass going on. There's some kind of haunting. And then he does the mass and then he's like... He nopes out of it. He's like, yeah, this is a little bit too much for me. I'm just going to leave you to it.
0: Hey, this is freaky. I'm out. Sorry.
1: (laughs) I tried. You're on your own. I mean, maybe he just does like, maybe he does loads of masses in people's houses when they think they've been haunted just to calm them down. And then when he actually gets to one that's actually haunted, he's like, yeah. Oh, fuck this shit. I'm out.
0: (laughs) And the thing is about this, this family is that there is a very clear, hatred is a strong word, but dislike of the Catholic church. And they seem to feel very hard done by, by the Catholic Church in terms of them not helping them. And this story was obviously wrote after the fact. So it might so be... So you think
1: there's some shade being thrown on the bish?
0: There, it might be that there is some shade on the bish, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, fair enough.
0: Shade on the bish. Shade on the bish. Sounds like a good <laughs> march line. <laughs> but if if that did happen the way, they, the way they said it happened, where the bish was there and he went paler and paler and was like, what baby crying? I would drop kick him out of the house. I'd be like, listen here, kid. I'd grab
1: him by the cassock and haul him upstairs and shove his head in the room. And yeah. Be like, that baby crying. And then drop kick him down the stairs. <laughs> I think cassock is the right word, by the way. I think it is. I just yeah. I can't remember. I knew you said grab him by the Cossacks, but <laughs> it's not quite the right Definitely thing. not the same thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's creepy, though. Like, if this stuff was, I'd just, oh. It's just... The eggshells is so weird as well, isn't it? Because so they're, weird. They're obviously materialising from somewhere. Like, if we were haunted by eggshells, I'd be like, is Emma slipping into delirium? Because we do eat a lot of eggs. Yeah, I love <laughs> eggs. So there would be lots of eggshells available.
0: And there would be, like, a reasonable explanation. Yeah. I mean, I currently have a packet of 15 eggs. Yeah. If I cooked all those eggs, that would be a lot of eggshells. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know?
0: So it would be reasonable.
1: <laughs> yeah. But they're clearly just materialising out of nowhere. And the fact that that mum... Went into the room and was just like, oh, they've been peeling the paint again. Why haven't we been picked up? And then they're like, oh, it's eggshells. And then cleaned it up anyway. Yeah. And then he comes back from his holiday and he's like, why are there eggshells on my room? Like, that's quite a quick turnaround for eggshells. Unless, like, the mum and dad are, like, feasting on eggs in, like, four hours. I mean, it's just, <laughs> um,
0: I think if you're going to fake a haunting, like, say, if you're going to go down the road of, like, Enfield Poltergeist, like, it's banging and knocks and breaking things. I don't know where you'd get eggshells from. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah and I that wouldn't be my first well it might be now because you've told me about it but that yeah. wouldn't be my first point in a call. It's unless, like the... unless like I'd shut myself in the room and like I was sitting on the bed reading and I, I walked in one way and there was definitely no eggshells, shut the door, reading, got up thousands of eggshells then i'd be like okay that's a bit creepy but if i wasn't in the room i'd just presume you were like trying to play a trick on me or like are so lo- carried upstairs just or... eating
0: loads of eggs yeah. in bed
1: like it wouldn't be my first point of call for a haunting i mean it is going to be now so every time i see even a little bit of an eggshell on the floor i'm gonna be freaking out
0: it's just a it's a cool little story isn't it
1: it's very cool it's very cool
0: and i'm so happy i found it
1: yeah, I mean, then you've got a limited edition book now. I'm sure it's I worth also, thousands.
0: The book that I have is also si- signed. Is it? Signed yes, copy? signed.
1: Amazing. <laughs> Hilarious. Signed by the Hulk baby.
0: <laughs> Lots of love. Sarah Hulk Luiz. baby.
1: No, it's just Sarah Louise. Let's it. And
0: <laughs> whoever owned the book beforehand yeah. has written loads of annotations in it. Oh, amazing. Yeah, of stuff they disagreed with. Okay. Which I thought was very that cute. That is cool. I might yeah. have to have
1: a little look at it later.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting find.
1: Yeah. I like... Um, this is a very big tangent which I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on, but I do like like local literally written books. You know, like this is an experience I had that I really feel like people need to read and they like print hundred copies and that's it.
0: Well, this is this seems to be what happened with this book. I mean, the, the the majority of the book is discussing what they believe was a clerical sex scandal that they had uncovered. Oh right. But I don't know if the word of a psychic no offence, is enough to prove or disprove anything. Definitely
1: holds up in court.
0: Probably, yeah. Probably.
1: No, I think it's a cash in, isn't it? I would do the same, to be honest. If we had a genuine haunting and and the whole nation was talking about it, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to write a book. Well, you'd write it, but I'd say Oh, absolutely.
0: (laughs) I'd be like, fuck me, everyone needs to know about this, and I need all of the attention. Yeah. (laughs) So, thank you, I'm going to write all this down.
1: I wouldn't appear in it. (laughs) I'll
0: throw in my, my political stance on things just...
1: (laughs) to
0: bolster the book a little bit, and then we're done and
1: dusted. There would be no mention of me. Even all the haunting would be involved around me would be changed, and it'd just be like, oh, this happened to Emma, this happened to Emma. Yeah, it would be (laughs) all me,
0: and it would be 100 times worse than (laughs) what actually happened. Interestingly, in this book, they have witness statements from neighbours and Mm. stuff in it. I mean, like, granted, they could have written them themselves, you know, they've written the book, but they did have witness statements from neighbours who said that they were genuinely concerned that these people wouldn't survive what was happening to them.
1: I'd get the most mundane witness statements in as well. I'd go and see like Farmer Joe down the road and just be like, did you see this one? And he's like, yep. The end. (laughs) Farmer Joe said yes when we asked him this question. Full (laughs) stop.
0: So if you enjoyed this week's episode, you can find us in a million and one places. I'm not doing reviews at the moment. Do you know, uh, because I just have to say this. Do you know how much it costs for me to be able to access all of our views?
1: You have said this already. I think. No, I haven't. Because okay, I didn't
0: realize how much it was until okay. yesterday. No. 100 pounds a month. I'm sorry. Absolutely <laughs> fucking not right now thank you very much <laughs> I need somebody with a human touch so if you enjoyed this week's episode you can find me on Instagram at real life ghost stories you can find Dan on Instagram at 50p movie club you can find us on Twitter at real ghost pod you can send in your scary experience too.
1: Real life ghost stories podcast at gmail.com.
0: You can find us on Facebook, Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast. Give the page a little like and join our supergroup, which is R-L-G-S supergroup, and the password is
1: Emma and Dan
0: If you feel so inclined to support the podcast in a monetary fashion, you can do so on Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for five dollars a month you get an extra episode a week, and for two dollars a month you get what, Dan?
1: Um, sorry, I completely forgot what you got there. You get extra episodes, you get some episodes of a secondary podcast called 50p Movie Club, which is about movies, and they're normally pretty bad.
0: The movies, not the episodes. Well. If, <laughs> if you want to find any information about us, you can do so on our website, which is reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.